Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. This is kind of a special episode because I'm joined with my friend Sandeep, who is all the way in Scotland. And I also am joined with a good friend, Malam Shaw. And this is like her first podcast. So Malam, let me start with you. Welcome to the sh- welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> I'll be telling everybody that I finally did my first podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to talking to you. But Sandeep, I just want to start out and ask you just a couple questions. Mm. What do people misunderstand about you the most? Wow. <laughs> it's, I, think, I think my wife is the only one who truly knows who I am and everyone else misunderstands me. <laughs> uh, it's probably the closest. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the great things. And, and to be fair, I play on this as well. I like being misunderstood. I don't know if, if you... About six years ago, I traveled around America with a beard, like a, a, a two foot long beard, wild hair. And I think I, I scared people on aeroplanes. Let's just say that, you know, it was, <laughs> and I'm sure they didn't, they didn't presume I was a church elder at the time or you know, that I was a Christian and an evangelist. And, you know, so I like that. I like that people can sometimes just make up a mind through visuals and, and, you know, wasn't there a time when they actually, like, at an airport, they pulled you out of line because they thought maybe you were a game? <laughs> they do that all the time, you know, and, and it's fine. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not offended or insulted by that. I think, I think it's natural. We're human. We, we make visual references on everything, you know, and, and we're conditioned, you know, what we see is what we refer. Um, so if, if, if a bearded brown man is is then associated with dangers and that's what i come across and 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 i suppose that also then i like that because then it, you can play on that and flip it you know you can then when people really get to know you you you're able to sort of get behind people's perception and walls and ideas of, of you and, and and they get to see you know okay you know this i'm maybe and 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 we all do it. I I do it on other people as well. I I look at people and I think I've worked them out, you know. And actually, I love that you know people are much deeper and more complex than just these these visual things. So yeah, I'm I'm probably misunderstood a lot. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, our first impressions are wrong, and yeah. that's the same with Jesus too, right? That we, a lot of people, their first impression of who Jesus is 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 not the right impression. I love that story recently about the Queen where she was in Scotland and these Americans came and they were just kind of walking around. They met this old woman and this man and they just started talking to them. And they asked the woman, how, you know, does she live around here? She's like, yeah, I have a house over there. And then (laughs) how long have you been coming here? Oh, we've been coming here for decades. And then the, then the Americans are like, Oh, have you ever met the queen? And and it, and the woman was the queen, and the queen said, "Well, I personally haven't met her, but he has, and he's he spent a lot of time with her." And then That's the next true. thing you know, the Americans are like pulling him aside and getting their picture taken with him, 
because he's been close to the queen. And then, then, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a really, really cool story, but just, you know, at, at some point they're going to, you know, well, by now they've realized that they were with the queen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the sake, for, for Malam's sake, even, could you just take a few minutes and just introduce yourself? Tell us your, tell us your background. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Like Milan and, and I both come from India. Um, and she's from the north of India, up up in the mountains near, in the Himalayas. And I'm, I'm from the south of India, a place called Hyderabad. And my parents ran a, were Christian, and my, my great-grandfather was the first convert. I grew up in a, a, in a medical mission charity, working with leprosy and eye work. So, and I've been in Scotland now, actually 30 years. You know, like two weeks ago was my 30th, 30 year. And and I, and it's weird because to me that's so important. I, I celebrate it. It's not important to anybody else. I mean, it's not like a birthday or something. But it's it it is a real threshold moment of of of, of you know big sort of the, the naive migrant who comes across to study or do um, thinks they know the world and they don't. And and yet you know the grace of God, the providence of God, the people that He provides in that journey that come you come across the the. the the, the character tools that have been put in by your family and, and your faith and how that plays out in, in strange lands, you know, it's been so powerful, you know, and that's why to me, it's an important memory. Sort of every, every year I remember the date 16th of September because I, I've still got my passport stamped, you know, on that date when I arrived. Uh, what was it that brought you? What was the original? Um, I, I studied architecture in, in, in Dundee. So I did, I did, seven years of architecture and then worked as an architect and, and have done. And then about 10 years ago, me and my three of my friends opened up a, a, a coffee shop. You know, we were, we were talking about kingdom spaces and uh, evangelism and experience people. Where can you belong before you believe, you know, where, where does the community spaces and these coffee shops have grown There's about eight of eight of them. It's been a really interesting journey. It's not been as tidy as I thought it would be. It hasn't been as evangelical as I would have presumed, but it's been powerful and deep. And you go into spaces uh, that God takes you that you never knew were even there, you know? And and I, I think that's been one of the, the revelations in the journey to, to end up doing things that you'd never expected and meet people that you never expected. And then to just be the love of God to them. You know, it isn't even about, about a conversion or a baptism or a you know pews and bums and seats sort of thing it's space it's just creating salt and light in a in, in a in a space so um, so as so you reflect you know, as you reflect on that even in your business um, what what has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience maybe maybe it was in this business realm the the, the coffee shop hmm. I, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's there's plenty of failures. I mean, character is probably one of them. You know, you just you don't trust God. You 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 fail in many things. You have your own sort of feelings. You know, I, I think I think marriages are, are beautiful reminders of your your inadequacies and you know, and, and limitations. You know, uh, my wife can like I said will probably know as much as like I can be a presentation. I can be things that I want to be and aspire to be and, and, and also reveal a certain part of me to others. Whereas at home, you, you are who you are, 
you know, and and, and the people closest to you are the ones you interact with most and they get to see who you are. And, and, and I, I, and so failure isn't necessarily a negative word for me in that sense, because I feel, you know, I think failure teaches you more than success. I think failure is, is a, is a far greater, yeah, teacher and, and developer. Sometimes success can be when you, success can be self-serving, like as I've reached the space, isn't it because what I did, you know, and, and it could just be pure chance or providence or circumstance that gets you there, but you don't see that. You think my intent gets me. Whereas um, it's like a child driving a car, you know, like, oh, look at me driving this car. Isn't that great? And you're like forgetting that you've been on someone's lap. <laughs> you can't even reach the pedals or can't do any. We don't have those perceptions in, in success. But failure, I think we, you know, that it's painful. It's, it's, it dents your ego. It dents your, your understanding of life. And, and, and if you don't learn from that space, then, 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 yeah, I mean, you don't develop and you cling to it. And so when I, when I think like we, we have eight shops currently, but we've had 10 shops and we've closed two of them, you know? So it's not like everything is growth and health and big and better, you know, we went into COVID with three shops and came out with eight. And that sounds great. You know, as a statistic, you're like, everyone's like, wow, you're, you're so successful, but we're, we're probably just as poor and working just as hard for the same money. You know, it's, it's not that suddenly we've become eight times, you know, five times bigger. It's we've had to pivot and learn and change and find new, new ways of doing business. The old, the old systems are gone. The old culture is gone. So yeah, plenty, plenty of failures, I would say, but they've not been places, they've not all, well, they have been places, places of pain or regret or, or loss when they do happen. But I think I can definitely now sort of point point and say, well, actually they've been places of health, of growth, of, of learning, of, of discernment and, and re rethinking it. And, uh, and I like that, you know, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's great. You know, just for Malam's benefit, could you just describe, so you have, you have started some coffee shops in Scotland and their name is Blend, right? Blend is the name of this coffee shop. And can you just explain like your philosophy and why you got into that business? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, I've, I've been involved in in Christian culture all my life, you know, my parents were, were frontline Christians and working with leprosy work. So I, I saw it firsthand, saw missionary works or uh, proclamation go. So, uh, and, and myself, I worked, uh, went through youth work, worked in, in, in churches, I've always been involved in, in church culture and church life. And, and yet, you know, you just realize that, you know, especially living in Scotland, that, that most of the world haven't a clue what you're up to, you know, that the gospel isn't, being proclaimed in the, on the level you want to proclaim it and Christ isn't being revealed and shared even close to where um you want it to be and and it, it was just I found it frustrating I found that that when when we began discipling people kids in our in in, in our youth group it, it exploded it expanded you know people wanted connection over content you know they they wanted to belong before they believe they they we we used to have mantras like spend more time with fewer people you know um, we saw a real change come out of those spaces rather than mid 50 year old man on a stage 
talking to 100 or 200 people sitting in chairs facing in one direction. And it just, it seems a huge disconnect. And, and I read somewhere, like, I can't remember, it was just saying, you know, most of Christian resources spent on convincing Christians to remain Christian. You know, yeah. and and it, it bit, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's so so true. And we have the strange model of pre preaching the gospel on a Sunday, 100 people, and hoping that five or 10 of them will go do something about it. And all the resources held in that place. And even in, and so the, we were wrestling with a lot of this stuff and saying, well, what, what, what's the alternative? Like, how do you, and, and there is, there seems to be a default setting in, in Christian culture that the minute, the minute you want to do mission, you set up a charity, you set up a, for, you know, and I'm not saying that's bad at all. I'm not, I'm not condemning any of that, but that seems to be like a default memory, you know, and, and we forget the rest of the world, you know, and, and, and my father used to say, I mean, he, he worked in charity, but he used to say like so many charities just become one beggar giving another beggar somebody else's money, you know, and you don't become sustainable. You're trying to, so it, to, to me, these are all sort of issues that influence and, and affect the church and how we think and what we do and what we, what God is asking us to do. And, and so, so in these conversations, so like, how do we play, create a place where your work is worship, that there are absolutely blurred lines between the sacred and the secular? It's all sacred. How do we, how do we go and how do we pursue an incarnate God, as in the God that's already in the neighborhood that we have to discover, not introduce? You know, and, and it, it is really big when, when you start thinking it of it in those terms, it it takes the pressure off you. You don't feel like you have to take the gospel somewhere. You know, your your day is spent trying to discover where God is already, and and you seeking those moments. And and so when so we looked at what does any sort of service type of industry look like? You know, like we looked at um, gardening jobs and car washes and. And, you know, and, and, and eventually landed at this, this coffee shop and said, okay, well, how do we create this coffee shop? And, and that's what we did. We opened. We didn't know anything about it. Four friends. I mean, I was an architect. We had two, a youth pastor and a pastor and, and a kid I used to mentor to university who had done accounting, knew nothing about coffee, <laughs> you know, and in six, in six months of miraculous things and opened up a shop. And, and it, it, it was amazing in that it 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 hit a nerve you know we found i mean the, so the whole design of the coffee shop if you look at it, it's blendcoffee.co.uk if anyone wants to go check it out but it, it's about creating a living room in the community it's like what is the what are our safe spaces left in our community what you know what, there are very very few places that we will enter as a stranger anymore in our culture I mean, a shop is probably what the last one where we used to window shop and go in. You know, our churches have gone, our pubs have gone, our community centers have gone. All, all the things that we could just walk in a stranger and feel comfortable and safe have disappeared. And I'm like, well, we need to recreate and reclaim those spaces. And, not, and I think there's a, there's, a, there's a flaw in the process where we always ask, invite people to things, you know, like, Hey, come here to my lovely place, whatever. Now it's great. All the intent is good, but I always challenge like some of my, my friends. I was like, if someone tomorrow said, come to my, come to the mosque on Friday, 
all the the sort of barriers that have lifted in our own heads right now, <laughs> you know, you know, untruthful barriers, but they're there in our head. Is is what other you're asking other people to jump over when you ask invite them to your safe space. Yeah. I'm like, how do you create safe space in the community, the place that a stranger can walk in? And so we use a lot of like living room analogy. We talk about we talk about a campfire space. What is the campfire space of our community? You know, nomads that travel through the day, come for a night, corral, share stories, sing songs, tell each other information about their journeys, and then leave in the morning. You know, what does that begin to look like in our community? It's not about coffee. I mean, coffee, there's plenty of coffee and, and plenty of places that you know can do it better than us. But, but how you make people feel, the belonging you can give people, the love and attention you can give people, these are huge things in this culture, in a, in a culture of individualism and isolation. Yeah, so I'm going to interrupt here for a second. <laughs> so you, you've created a place where people can come and experience the aroma of Christ because the people running the coffee shops, by and large, are Christ followers, and it's a safe place for them to to kind of experience love and build relationships of, of, of a feeling of belonging maybe before they believe. And I just want to bring Malam in here because Malam has been part of a organization that I created called the Kent International Leadership Network, which is essentially a service organization, but it has kind of the same kind of missionary or, or I should say, same kind of idea behind it. And so Malam, could you share a little bit about how you know, you felt like you, you found a place to belong and, and now you're, you're, you're starting to believe or follow Christ. Yeah. So I came here and obviously it's so difficult for an international student away from home. It's so, so scaring and so uh, depressing. If we, I would say I've heard so many stories other than me that people who come here, they fall into depression and they don't know if they belong there and why there's so uncertainty, you know, to move across the world. And yeah, of course, India and US have just the opposite time zones. And all these things, you just feel and you fell into this trap, you know, of dark, dingy place. But Kill, Ken International Leadership Network that Greg has, gives you that community space, you know. Ken State, we have this motto that you belong here. But I really felt it in Kiln. When I came here, these people help you with everything. And then it's just not, you know, you get help, but it's that they create this community. Like just you, like you said, that there might be another coffee place that serves you better coffee. So exactly like here at uh, Kent, there might be another, a lot of people who would help you, but to create that community, which is a safe space from people from different, you know, cultures, different religions, different parts of the world, even different ages, genders, etc, etc. They all can have a place where they will feel safe. It's a safe heaven for us. And uh, we don't feel like we are being judged, even if we are something. And it's so important because the world, there are so many people who would try to divide you over so many different, you know, aspects and all these different topics, titles. But at the end, it's just so amazing when everybody can sit, they can share all their spiritual journey and 
anything like how they started believing in what they believe in and who they believe in and just share it without being like having that fear of being judged is very important and i'm so glad that you know we have the space here at ken and uh, to create this it's so easily said that oh we created this community space but it's so difficult it is like one of the most un like impossible near to impossible thing that people can just walk in through the door and they would feel that they're at home and nobody's going to judge them so and that too in like even if they're on a spiritual journey with Christ wherever they are they just started or they have already been you know born and brought up like you in in Christian as a Christian household so whatever they say it's not being judged and all that like me i started my journey and i'm still learning about Christ and whatever i say or i question it's always answered it's not like anybody judges me that you know oh you don't know about it or what are, why are you following this or that so yeah i mean this is just a blessing and i would say you know god creates all these blessings and they he thinks about you and he sends all these people in your life mm, great so, so yeah. greg is just like a messenger i would say yeah yeah well I'm I'm very blessed, Malam. You are you are just an amazing young lady, and I believe God has great things in store for you. And I I, I feel blessed that I that I'm that I know you, yeah. Sandeep. Do you have any questions for Malam about her journey? Yeah, I mean, were you Christian in in India? Was your family Christian? No. No. So, um, like you know, I'm from a north. I'm not. I'm a North Indian, and that too. I am from the Himalayas. We have a place. We believe in. Uh, and I am a born Hindu, so <clears throat> we already have like five hundred plus gods. And if you are from the northern area where you are surrounded by mountains, we also believe in elements. Like we worship our river. We worship our mountains and all that. And it's just that we believe that there's a part of God in everybody. So and we have so many in India, like you know, that there are so many different religions and all that. But I'm so blessed that my my family and my parents are always open minded, and they have never. They said that whatever you know, whoever you thinks you believe in, you follow it. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean that is one of the biggest step that you know your parents would tell you that whoever you you feel uh, feel like. It's not a religion like Christianity. It's not a religion. It's a, it's a relationship, mm -hmm. and you cannot have a relationship with somebody you do not believe in. You might like them, but there's a difference. You really believe in them. So, and I studied in a convent school all my life, in a in a Catholic convent school. And uh, I told Greg the story of mine that you know I used to tell my and my parents had Christian friends and all that. So I used to go to uh, church. I used to go to um, I learned our father in heaven first before any Hindu mantras. And I used to tell my parents, I want to be a Christian. And they never, like, they never said that, oh, you want to be a Christian or something. I was always encouraged that, okay, you want to be a Christian. But uh, like in our place, there was not a resource where a non-Christian can go and learn about Christ. Mm -hmm. We have it here. And I always like, it was a wish. And then years passed by, I completed school. Then I went to college and all that. Then I came here and then I met Greg and I told him like, 
I I forgot about all of that. I forgot that I I had a wish as a six year old child, a naive child, that I want to be a Christian. Mm. Out of the blue, mm. and it's just amazing. Like I feel that if I was looking for him more than that, he was looking for me. Mm-hmm. He chose me. Inside my heart, inside a six-year-old heart, he, like, why would a six-year-old wish for something? Like, I want to be a Christian out of the blue, you know? And it's just that there were no resources, but then I came here and I found resources and I might, I'm still on a journey, but it started before, like, people say that, you know, you have to, uh, like you said, that you have to feel belong before you feel, you believe. So I think it's the same for me. And uh, I, I believed in him even before I knew what he did for us. Yeah. Even yeah. before I knew any of his stories. Yeah. I, it's interesting. That it's, when I'm at my third year reunion um, at my university this weekend, this past weekend, and like 45 of us from pretty much all around the world turned up for this thing, you know, because it was so, and I was, I was so amazing to have all, all these guys like, it was still important for us, you know. But as, as looking back, my first year had all sorts of nonsense going. There was, you know, my, my best friend got beaten up. We got caught up in a fire and I had to on a fourth floor. I had to go, you know, try to escape. My there was a huge earthquake in in India, forty five miles from where we live. You know, I had two and a half days on the phone trying to find out if my family was alive. All yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten of the, some of those things. It was so important that, that my mother, when when I came across, it said, "Look, go find a church, Sandy. You know, even if you're not in a in a good place with God, just commit to me that you'll go find, you know, go to church." So I was like, "Fine, I'll do it." You know, <laughs> whatever. But it was amazing the family and one particular family that took care of me for literally seven years in 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 my university years took every Sunday fed and watered me, uh, took me to hospital when I was having surgery, looked after my luggage when I didn't have a flat or, you know, had warm clothes and that. It was those things. I mean, it wasn't the financial side of it. It was the attention side of it that was just so powerful to me rooting here, you know, and then and through them getting a job in a laundry, through the laundry meeting my wife to my wife meet you know settling in this country it's like these little steps that take you along these journeys and 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 it's it's actually you know it, it, culturally like now even podcast people listening you know when when we hear the noise of of the culture clash that's going on right now all around us don't forget the power of hospitality and the surgeoner and the looking after the surgeon, you know, the, the, the migrant, the person passing through. These are like gifts from God to us uh, to, to look after those who are powerless and you have nothing to get from, but you can just look at, and it, it's not about the big things, you know, it's not about these major, you've got to house them and clothes or whatever. It's little acts of kindness, little acts of love, little acts of, you know, filling in a form, whatever those things, these are, these are powerful spaces that we can engage with kingdom work you know we we we, we've lost some of those spaces and and sort of champion these other spaces you know like someone who the guitar player on a stage and the pastor is going to do whatever 
and and realize that you know Jesus was not asking us to do any of those things. You know, <laughs> he, he gave us gifts to do it, but but actually he did say you know love your neighbor. You know, and and then defined what that labor was going to be. You know, it, could, it was anybody. You know, and I think in this culture world, you know, the solution to a lot of this stuff is just acts of kindness that we can give to people you don't even need to know and don't even need to know the consequence of your action for, but that's your relationship with God. So are you saying that when you heard Malam share her story, you started thinking of memories Absolutely. back when you Absolutely. first came to Scotland, because you were basically an international student in Scotland. Yeah. And, and, and it's heard, so now, now, now you've lived in Scotland longer than you ever lived in India, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, now, now, you know, they call them Oreos or bounty bars, you know, <laughs> I'm just brown on the outside, you know, but it, it's, I realized like, this is now, like when I, when I look at my house, it, it's, it, I, I, both my wife and I have tried to create an open house, a house of hospitality, uh, a house of, you know, of, and, and when I look at Blend, the business that I realize that Blend is, is like, it's trying to give the safe space for those travelers, those unsafe people because i'm literally trying to mimic what i experienced to the stranger and when we don't have a church infrastructure that does it well we've got to create alternative spaces and you can start with your home and you can start with you know your business or whatever the thing is because some of the old institutional spaces can't think like that they, they there's there's just no mechanisms and, and scale to do that but there are new spaces where we'll we can do that you know where we can find within our own lives, our own sort of working experiences, places where we can look after someone and give them a safe space. Yeah, of course. So one of the things that I have seen, like I'm still learning about Jesus and all that. And, you know, as a child, I am a child in the spiritual journey. And as a child, you ask, you ask a lot of questions and those questions make you question more. And, you know, and you, because you're not, you're not, rigid in what you believe in you still have those possibilities inside your head you know and that's what i felt like even back in india even here in us and all the parts of the world there is now that the religion how it started how christianity started how jesus said like what he wants from us and how people changed it and how it changed over time like there is specifically how a church would look like how people would dress or how everything would be happened. And, you know, it just changed the whole vibe or whole, whole feeling of how a church was supposed to be. And now that we have Bible, I go to Bible reading with Greg and I feel like that's my church because mm -hmm. I don't want to go to a big building and where people, you know, just sit and would um, hear somebody speak. Rather, I would go to a place where there are just five people who care about who listen to what's going on in each other's life and would even advise them. I think that's more of a church for me. And that's how it started. Not like, you know, you have to be in a specific, you have to come on Sunday on this, this time, and then just have to follow. And that's the same thing that I feel like just because you are born Christian doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Like just because I was born Hindu doesn't make me a Hindu. So, I mean, the first Christians, the believers of Christ weren't even Christians, you know. So all this is so different um, and it's a different journey for everybody. It's not that you're born into something. When you start believing, when you actually follow him, that's when you change. 
I wanted to ask you about like your thoughts on the state of the church. It seems like the church is changing. You you know I like to think like this. So, you know, as an architect, I'm always like a big picture thinking and and then come into details and and some of my thoughts on this, right? I think I think COVID just accelerated the death of things that were going to die anyway. It just it just you know, accelerated stuff that was declining, it was about a crash land, boom, it happened. So it wasn't that it's a surprise. It probably just, we have to admit that it was going to happen. You know, I think since COVID, I think we are in a really, really interesting period in time right now. We're, we're in that in-between changeover time, a cultural changeover. Something I read recently about talking about like, if you looked at between 1910 and 1920, so many interesting things happened, you know, a hundred years ago. You had a, you know, Spanish flu kicked in, that finishes off in the middle of this war that then, you know, changes an old imperial system into new, what we have now lived in the modern world, you know, the, the sort of post-industrial the, the industrial world and the capital world that's coming. And, and in that period, you had an old guard that was trying to go back the way <laughs> and say, let's, let's just go back to thing being this, you know, and let's just go back and conquer Africa or India, whatever, and we'll, we'll, we'll be fine, you know, everything will be good. And then you had this sort of naive, utopian, new thinking Marxism and communism that was going to everything was going to be great. Everything was going to be amazing if we just got rid of this and we'd be great with that, you know? And the the the, the helpful thing a hundred years ago, tragically, was that there was a war. So there was like a defining line between before and after. Currently, we're having a war without bloodshed. You know, we're, we're just basically, things that, cultural wars are going on, big stuff is going on, moving, and, and we're, we're all sort of living with a certain anxiety and a certain uncertainty, because it's, it, it is uncertain. Things are transitioning. So I think that, that one, we have to have a caution that, that things haven't landed yet. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> what's going to happen isn't good. So it's no use overthinking it at this point, because it's so fluid. It's still moving about. We don't know who's won. You know, that there, there are, there are sides that are all vying for our attention and time. So we just need to chill, <laughs> you know, spend time with Jesus and chill. You know, we, we, we're fine. You know, Jesus is in control. He knows what's going to happen. Fine. So we don't have to fight every battle, chase every rabbit, you know, troll every statement. We don't. We just don't. And and actually, the system is feeding off our, our sort of clash. You know, it, it wants us all angry about whatever like just look at some of the news that we that, we, that trigger us you know they know it's going to trigger us and therefore that we're suckers you know we just get drawn into the very argument that it's trying to be drawn into and you're like just pull back and just give yourself space what's going on it'll land someone will win and then we'll can decide what we're going to do with that side that's one you know and it could be either side right at this point it could be it could be high liberalism, high conservatism, we don't know. As a church, we were going to have to do this anyway, even, be even before the cultural shift had happened. You know, our old infrastructure was dealt with a finite amount of people, was spending huge resources on itself, you know, not on the proclamation, not making disciples, not going out, and, and it was just inward-looking. 
there are plenty of countries where the church is growing. So it's just, I'm talking about the Western church. There's plenty of great stories everywhere else except us. <laughs> you know? and, and we lament because, you know, and, and actually we're getting evangelized by the East again. You know, the, the Koreans and the Indians and the Brazilians and the Nigerians are all coming to the West and, and being the missionaries, you know, in, in our cultures because, because we've lost our ground. And I think... I think there's a theological space that we need to work on. One where we recognize that we're all the kingdom of priests in the holy nation. You know, we are. It is not titles and pastors and this infrastructure, this hierarchy that's going to proclaim it. It is. It is us walking with Jesus and following Him where He's going to take us. He has a solution for it all. You know, it's. I may have shared this. I've certainly shared this with Randy, but it's. You know, I remember when my son, when my middle son Alex was about eight years old I was playing with Lego in a, and on the on the floor and I was sitting watching TV over him and and then he was like dad I'm trying to find this yellow bit you know and from where I was sitting I could see it under the chair you know and I'm like Alex it's just over there and he's like where dad and Alex just under the chair where dad and he's looking for this thing where where and I'm pointing at it and I'm like Alex look at me you know, look at me first and you will find your little piece. And and as he turned, he sees my finger again. And, and, and I just think that in so many senses, we're trying to do it ourselves while asking God. You know, we, we, we're saying, God, what are we going to do? And then we just get on with what we're going to do. And, and all he's saying is, look at me. You know, he's just saying, just, I, ha- I know exactly what to do and how I'm going to do it. And I, and I just think, you know, the, the, the church has got to live into some of those spaces again, you know, and and people need to be aware that, you know, Jesus knows what the world is going to be like, etc. He's just continuously just asking us to be in love with them <laughs> and find ways to be in love with them. And in that in those spaces will come all the things that give us, you know, will, all the solutions that we're seeking will come, you know, because we've looked at them. You know, it's not that he doesn't want to give you that piece of Lego. You know, it'll come. It's and and I, I just, I think as a, as a church, we've got to find those spaces again, and find ways of doing those spaces. I mean, so in Scotland, I, I use the analogy about how, you know, this isn't a post-Christian culture. It's 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 a pre-Christian culture. It's like there's four or five generations who don't know anything. You know. It's Christ is a swear word, you know, that just, there's no, so, so what do we, you know, how do we come back to what the, the old monks did <laughs> when they came to this pagan land, you know, two, two or three men in a, in a boat coming up a river into a pagan dangerous land and saying, how do we show these people the love of Christ? And they do it through their actions. You know, these guys don't know Latin. They don't even know. So they learn the language. They find their roots. They, they help them with their lands. They till their ground. They they go into their communities and simply serve them. And in their service, they explain the love of Jesus to them. Right? And, and I'm like, how do we begin to do that now in the cultures? If we, if we just looked at American as the pagan land with, with you know, post-Christian whatever, that we're just simply going as pioneers back into it, carrying Christ with us. Yeah. Not even, I'll, I'll take that back, not even carrying Christ, discovering Christ 
in the places already. There you uh, go. And that's good. That's good. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, what what advice would you give Malam as a young follower of Jesus and coming from a different cultural background? Do you have any any thoughts for her? And maybe this ties into like, what does your morning routine look like? <laughs> if maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this one either because I think we all have our own experiences. You know, your experience as a migrant is going to be different from mine. My my whole thing with my faith, even for my children, is I'd say you know, is keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, don't overcomplicate the faith. It's a relationship. Yeah. You know, it's 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 loving Jesus, loving His Word, loving His people. My, like so, I've come through one of the most difficult periods business-wise in the past, you know, couple months. Just very, very difficult, and and it's been really hard to get into devotional time, meditative time. Really hard to go to church, even really hard to get into some of the things that I know are healthy for me, you know, that are good for me. And I'm just like wrestling with them. And and what I reduced myself down to eventually was uh, there's two things I did. One is. Everyone in Greg, you know where I live. I've got a beautiful valley and a river in front of my house. So when I leave the gate of the house, um, and I usually take the kid, uh, well, my youngest, to school, we, we sort of pause at, the, at the, the top of the hill and just look over the hill. And every morning is a declaration of God's glory, you know, whether it's foggy, sunny. And, and I've used nature hugely to to display God's glory, you know, and I love that. David in the mountains playing the lute, you know, a harp to a sheep, understood God far more than even when he was in in a temple or in the in in the palace. He still yearned for the time when he was up in the hills, you know. And I think nature can tell you everything and so much more about God than we we sometimes come into. And so that is one thing I do. And the second thing is I again, like I was saying, I was wrestling, I was wrestling with the word, I was wrestling with the time and structures of disciplines of my faith. So I just started listening to music. Music's always been important for me. So I just played a lot of worship music that I just listened to. And there was deep theology, deep places of rest that came out of those those periods. And 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 I'm sharing that, I've been sharing it recently, like I, I, I've been using hymns as, as devotionals almost you know just as i was sharing just yesterday at, at, at a meeting about you know the, the song praise praise to the lord the almighty king of creation there's a line in that it simply says ponder anew what the lord almighty can do and i it just when sitting with this business that's hemorrhaging and doing all sorts of stuff and everything every day was a crisis of some sort there was this that line ponder anew what the lord almighty can do just kept coming back and i'm like yeah, I mean, I may be seeing problems that God can do something completely different and I can cover this. So so I found that even now, you know, nearly 40 years into my faith, it isn't all just up and up. You know, there is still the up and down. It's that's the nature of the relationship. But there are there are roots and, and anchors I build into these spaces that I know when I'm in those spaces that I don't have to push myself continuously into, into a single place to experience God. I've created all this. i found, not created, a whole range of spaces where you find God. And there I rest with it. That's great. 
Yeah, I mean, pondering anew makes me think of uh, <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2, where mm -hmm. it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, just kind of bringing us back to the gospel, like and and how you never get beyond it. You never because you you never fully understand the love of God because it's so incredible that this triune God was willing to tear itself apart for us because mm -hmm. God loved us so much. And so when you see nature and you see God's creation, you see the beauty of it. You see, you know, just how awesome God is. And, and, and that's in a fallen world, you know? So I, I really, really, really appreciate that. Malam, do you have any questions for Sandeep? Yeah. So, I mean, um, what do you think that as your children, so they are born Christian, what do you think that, you know, how do they find their relationship with God? I think like with all my children, I, I, I told them that they're not Christian until they decide to be Christian. You know? Yeah. But I've, I've just given them a Christian bringing in my values, but they've got to make their choices, you know? And, 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 and one of the key things I found with my own kids was that doubt was not a bad thing. And my yes. father who was a committed Christian and a missionary always had space for his doubt. You know, and and I like that uh, that there was it was there wasn't an anxiety that if I questioned something I was denying it. It wasn't. It was it was a expression of interest, and and so I always encourage my children never to back off that those spaces. Yes, you know? I'm like God will God will follow you all the way down the cave if you want to go there. You know, because He has both an answer and a solution and a space for that. You know, and yeah. so. I, I like when I talk about I, I, have a, I have a parenting theory which I'll share, which is I think you've got to tell a child by seven, show a child by fourteen, and then between fourteen and twenty-one, this is a seven-year cycle. They'll test and throw everything out the water, and they'll they'll wrestle with it, you know. And and at twenty-one, they'll land somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know? Sometimes bruised and scarred, and 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 I just I you know. We've got five kids. We've got you know, two grandchildren with a third one turning up. You know, as much as my kids don't have my faith, I love that. You know, it's a struggle because I want them to have my faith. And I realize, no, <laughs> I want them to I want them in love with Christ. So when I look at all of them and their all their journeys and, and they've all had faith and they're all in different stages of their faith, you know, some are strong and 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 my wife and I just pray over them, you know, like it's there's a there's a deep helplessness that can come with your kids <laughs> when when you have no control over their choices and decisions, you know. But yeah. said, like I rely on God. That's who I rely on, not on my children, you know. And 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 that's why it's beautiful to see even even my my second son who probably had the greatest wrestle with it, you know, the biggest anger and rejection and and struggle to to now just watch his deep faith and 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 in his marriage and, and and soon fatherhood and just watch his his habits and his growth is 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 so much more rewarding and powerful you know because it's not my journey it's his journey yeah um, so yeah 
Yeah, I mean, um, so it's it's the same that you have created so much uh, safe space for them, and it's so different that you know it's not a, like other people say it's a religion. It's not a religion like what people think of it. Like you know, you have to follow A, B, C, and then and then you really have to follow him without even knowing about him. It's a relationship. So in a relationship, you can start, and then it's a whole journey, and it's always um so fascinating to see everybody's journey when they, when they, you know, in the moments when they don't follow him, and you say, then no, we don't want to follow him, and then suddenly something happens in their life, and that faith, it's just so fascinating. And yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to ask you this question because you are a parent yourself, and you have uh, more than one child, so there are so many journeys in front of you, and. It's so fascinating, you know, to look how they travel through that journey with God, and it's not just them looking for God. So God is the one who's seeking us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the the idea that God is the one who's seeking us. That you know, the biggest seeker in the Bible, we think, is it Zacchaeus because he climbed <laughs> up that tree? Is it Nicodemus because he went to Jesus at night? No, the biggest seeker in the Bible is God Himself. He's seeking to save that which was lost, which was us. And you brought up the, we're going to bring this to a close real quick here, but you brought up the idea of doubt. One of the most like confounding passages that, that I've come across recently is in Matthew chapter 28, the great commission, because it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You're like, what? How? How's that possible? How could they doubt him at that point? How could there have been doubt? You know, this is the resurrected Christ. And but I love the fact the Bible, it's in the Bible, you know, because it's there because it's real. Yeah. And and that doubt lives in all of our hearts. Like we we doubt God. God God can answer one of our prayers and we'll say, we'll never doubt you again. And then and then 10 minutes later, we doubt him. You know, so any final thoughts from either of the two of you, Sandeep, any final words you want to share? Just one final thing. And it was just when I was looking at this, I'm looking at the screen and I'm thinking, you know, you know, we've all, we're all linked to India. (laughs) You know, we've we've all either been there or lived there or grown there. I'm in Scotland now, you're in America. It's, it's, it's one is the scale of God, you know? to understand that that his kingdom his family is big you know and it's a rich rich experience for all of us to be i just i always love that that you know we're not strangers we're just family we've never met and god god prepares and brings us together because he wants us to delight in it you know that this relationship this conversation isn't just some sort of functional thing we're doing you know hey so someone listening can be you know come to Jesus. like like this is the delight <laughs> it's like here children i've introduced you to each other you know and, and i think that's powerful and 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 this final thought is my father you always say like we are already the result of other people's faithfulness you know we're like other people have prayed for us a youth worker a pastor someone who took us to to christ you know and now we we've experienced that then you know our faithfulness matters <laughs> to others you know, this is the channel. So, so it isn't just left with Milan, like, oh, this is what I get from this. Isn't this great? You know, I'm, you know, hey, I'm sorted. You know, I'm on the boat now. You know, it's, it's, 
it's Greg's faithfulness brings you to Christ. Your faithfulness brings others to Christ. Yeah, and I I love that. I love that 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 journey that we can be on. That's great. Looks like Malam is on the move. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to share anything as? One of the reasons I think Greg called me to the podcast is because I my journey is very different, and it's exactly opposite to yours. I mean, there have been some uh, similarities, but it's exactly opposite, you know, because you were born into it and you knew more about it, and I'm still learning about it. And I think I still like that I am raw, real, and naive because I question that why, where, and then people answer me and you know and i like this that you we are not rigid that we have to follow something just because somebody told us that and a lot of times that i've seen that you know a lot of people say that they just follow a person they don't follow bible they don't follow jesus christ they follow a person who have said something that oh there's something in the bible and they don't even cross question is it in the bible or not or how they have interpreted the bible of what's written over there so it's very important and i think that that's why i like that you know it's not a religion it's a relationship and that's very important for us to have that relationship and uh, it's not just you have to follow abc to go to heaven it's so much more than that mm. and this journey is a never ending journey you will never be the best christian i think that people have that idea of mm. or uh, you know that people think and it's so i just feel overwhelmed and i feel blessed that i we have the space where people from different even like i am not a brown christian but i'm welcomed over here because i believe in christ and that's that's the only qualification we need you know that's, good. that's fantastic well hey thank you guys both for your time today and Sandeep, if people want to find you, where could they find you online? Maybe it's your website. Your, your yeah, of course. I, I, and I would love to come to Scotland and see yeah, this you have to. created. <laughs> I mean, uh, blend, blend, blendcoffee.co.uk <laughs> and just, just use the email that's there. I think it's coffee at blendcoffee.co.uk. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.